0: And I'm Elena And welcome to History Honeys The
1: podcast where a married couple teaches each other about cool stuff in the past
0: And we're joined by a very special guest
1: Yes! We have a puppy here It's Moki! Moki! Mokey, can you say hi? No?
0: That's good, actually That's
1: actually okay
0: So yeah, we, uh, like we mentioned in our last episode, we've adopted a dog And now yeah. she's here with us and she's lovely and wonderful
1: Yes, she is, and she just had her first bath And she wasn't too happy.
0: But let's talk about something else today.
1: (laughs) Okay.
0: Uh, This is a topic that I promised the good listeners quite some time ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, It's someone who came up in uh, a major role in an earlier episode. And so now I'm providing all that context.
1: Oh. And what, what is this that we're well, going to talk about? I know it's it's a mayor. Yeah. That's about all I got. We're going to talk about
0: Mayor Richard J. Daly of Chicago.
1: The The first one. The first Daly.
0: Yes. Yeah. The only one with the J.
1: Well, M? Yes. M. Yeah. I'm you, like, sometimes I can't remember what it is. You can J re- and M.
0: You can remember because they're in alphabetical order.
1: Oh. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So yes, he was uh, Chicago's mayor for a little over 21 years, and he ran the Democratic machine in Chicago at its height. Okay. Dick Daly, as he was known to his friends and family. Of
1: course, of course he was. Uh, was
0: born in 1902 in Bridgeport. That's a, yeah. a Southside neighborhood, yeah. an only child. Uh, Bridgeport uh, is just in the heart of like the South Side Irish. It, it's near the Union Stockyards. He lived the typical Southside Irish life. He was an altar boy. He went uh, to parochial schools. Uh, He joined the Hamburg Athletic Club as a young man. And uh, for high school, he attended the De La Salle Institute. And he he was always a fixture uh, at White Sox games.
1: Makes sense. Southside, yeah.
0: Yeah. So there's something we have in common with this guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Bridgeport's not that far away from here.
0: Not at all. Go Sox.
1: yeah, sucks. <laughs> Screw you, cubs.
0: In his youth, he, he worked a number of odd jobs. He he sold newspapers on the streetcars. He delivered vegetables. And uh, as a teen and young man, he even got a job working in the stockyards themselves.
1: Makes sense. I think that was pretty common.
0: But this sort of upbringing, this was the key to his later success. Uh, De La Salle was a parochial three-year high school. Mm-hmm. That really focused on placing students with jobs. Oh, okay. They, they trained you to work in uh, business finances. They, they, they had a lot of business owners in their phone book, and, and they would set you up. The Hamburg Athletic Club was a street-level arm of the Democratic machine. Okay. Now, these athletic clubs, there, there were plenty of them. Hamburg wasn't the biggest, uh, but it was one of the larger ones. They, they were youth organizations that could have thousands of members and were often sponsored by aldermen and ward committeemen. And they were basically street gangs. Nice. Yeah, they, they would go and, and they would uh, take care of their turf. And they'd also have uh, sponsored dances and charity events and, and uh, field sports teams. And bust the heads of anybody who walked into the neighborhood where they don't belong. Of course. course. These were all activities within the purview of these clubs. Uh, And and yeah, their uh, clubhouses were paid for by aldermen, and their uh, uh, charters were held by ward committee men. They, they They were community outreach programs. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Let's get them in a gang. Basically. Bring the community together.
0: Uh, Part of Hamburg's mission was maintaining Bridgeport, uh, which meant keeping black Chicagoans on the other side of Wentworth Avenue, which is now the Dan Ryan.
1: Well, Wentworth still exists.
0: Yeah, but... But it does
1: run, like, right around there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And notice that uh, the Dan Ryan runs on the east side of Wentworth. Yeah. So they didn't bulldoze any of the Bridgeport side to build it.
1: Of course not. Yeah. Of course not. Uh, The
0: 1919 race riot was the worst riot in Illinois history with 38 dead, 537 injured. 41% of all encounters, at least the ones that got recorded, were in or around Bridgeport. Uh, This was sparked when a young black boy was seen swimming too close to a white beach, hit in the head with a rock, and died. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, investigations concluded the riot would have been over by the end of the day if it weren't for the athletic club's exacerbating tensions. Uh, yeah. Now, we don't know if Daly was involved in any of this violence. What we do know was he was a member at the time. He was 17 years old. Uh, and the the club elected him their president just a few years later.
1: So there's a good chance.
0: He kept mum on the issue, uh, neither confirming nor denying any sort of involvement until the day he died. hmm Well.
1: He died without saying anything. Yeah, that's, that's what,
0: exactly what I Not
1: like a confession on his deathbed. <laughs> there was no
0: deathbed confession. Just
1: like nothing.
0: That lip stayed zipped so everybody could believe what they wanted to believe because, mm-hmm. uh, as we'll see, there are advantages to being on both sides of this issue. <laughs> now, uh, one of the biggest fear mongers and, and uh, people who encouraged white residents to arm themselves was Joseph McDonough, who was the sponsor of the Hamburg uh, Athletic Club and became Daly's uh, political mentor in the years to come. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about Joe McDonough. Okay. Big Joe, as they called him. He was a big, big guy. Yeah. Uh, he was a powerful guy. He loved uh, uh, the fruits of that power. He, he ate a lot of the finest food. He spent his time out on the racetrack living life. Uh, he was the alderman and ward committeeman for the 11th ward, which is uh, uh, the ward that included Bridgeport uh boundaries have been redrawn i'm not sure if it still does but the 11th ward is bridgeport for all of the time we're going to be talking about today
1: okay yeah who, who the <laughs> knows now
0: <gasps> so
1: have you like what they've done to some of those ward lines like yeah, yeah they're insane it's like someone just took a like a crayon and let a toddler squiggle squiggle over a map and we're like yeah that yeah. Looks good why not sure
0: Now, he and Daly were both members of Our Lady of the Nativity. Being part of the same parish is important as well. One thing that also followed Daly through life was, like, legitimate Irish pride and Irish Catholic pride. Mm -hmm. Both sides of his family came over during the uh, potato famine. And so those horror stories and, you know, Irish need not apply signs in store windows uh, really shaped his outlook, even though he was... was certainly the most powerful mayor in America and one of the most powerful people of of any stripe. Yeah. He always felt like, you know, the the vanguard of the outsider looking in. Even when there are other ethnic groups that might have had a stronger call, we're never going to escape the pull of racism in this uh uh episode. Sorry folks. Yeah. So, back to Joe McDonough, he enters the story properly when he hires Daly as his personal secretary and made him a precinct captain. Uh, This is when Daly is now part of the machine organization properly. Uh, In 1930, McDonough became county treasurer and appointed Daly as his deputy. Now, again, McDonough does his work from the racetrack, the gambling hall, the the corner uh, uh, bar... Which means Daly's the one in, like, the treasury office looking at the books. Yeah. he's He spent a whole lot of his early career just uh, biding his time and studying where the money goes, how it's used, and, you know...
1: How it's hidden away? Yeah. <laughs> the,
0: the machinery of the machine.
1: How it's suddenly there and then not, but it looks like it is. Hmm...
0: So, we've talked enough about the machine. Uh, What was it? How did it work?
1: Well, it had a lot of gears and mechanisms, and sometimes Mm -hmm. you needed to oil it to make sure it didn't start squeaking.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It went whiz when it moved, and bopped when it stopped, and whirred when it stood still.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And when it was done, it went, (laughs) (laughs) oh-ooh!
0: Well, the, the political machine is an organization made to exchange benefits for votes, and also to protect people who used uh, the power they gained through it for their own benefits. On the one hand, it's just, you know, people in office being very, very attentive to their constituents. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's a vehicle for graft, bribery, embezzlement, all sorts of corruption. Yeah. And never letting those constituents know that those benefits only come if you know who to vote for. Yeah. So the machine would field a slate of candidates for office and a precinct captain's job, which is young Richard J. Daly, was to get their neighbors to vote for that slate. Up and down the whole way through, you don't, innovation was not uh, encouraged. You followed orders. Yeah. So uh, some things that a precinct captain could do, they could turn your water or power back on if you were having a rough month. They'd buy you a Christmas tree. You'd get gifts for your kids' confirmation. Uh if there's a pothole uh a week before election day, they're gonna call you up and ask you if that's causing any problems, because they know a guy. <laughs> all sorts of favors. Yeah. Their job was also to estimate the vote count in their precinct for all these races. The goal was being within ten. Not ten percent, ten votes.
1: Dang.
0: (laughs) They needed to know every single one of their neighbors, their names, uh, what they did for a living, their problems. If, you know, their aunt is in the hospital, where to send the flowers. Yeah. They were the best neighbors you could have because they were in your church. They were in the Elks Club with you. They went to the PTA meeting, whether they had a kid or not. So uh, in 1934, uh, McDonough died. So uh, a lot of people were expecting, you know, his handpicked personal secretary, his associate, his protege daily to put himself forward to fill his shoes. But instead, he followed orders. Committee chairman uh, Pat Nash and Mayor Ed Kelly were in charge of the machine at the time, and they uh, made Babe Connolly the ward committee man. And Thomas Doyle uh, was called back from the U.S. Congress to become an alderman.
1: Uh huh. Because yeah, that's that's you know a promotion
0: in Chicago. It yeah, could be. Could be. <laughs> so uh, patience, being a team member. These were Daly's uh, uh, keys to getting ahead. Now Doyle died, and Connolly took both seats.
1: When did he die?
0: Just a year after okay. Th- this sort of. Um, balancing act that uh nash and kelly set up in the 11th did not last for long Mm, too bad so somebody else died though representative david shanahan of the illinois legislature in 1936 daly took some initiative this time and showed that his precinct organization could deliver votes He won the seat in a write-in campaign (laughs) as a Republican.
1: Oh, my God.
0: He got all those neighbors that he knew and loved to just write in uh, Richard J. Daley on their ballot for the special election. Nice. So, uh, for years, uh, Mayor Daley was technically a Republican on paper, but he caucused with the Democrats and he uh, uh, represented... The voice of the city of Chicago and the people of Bridgeport as a a Democrat uh, uh, machine member. Mm -hmm. 1936 is also the year he married his wife Eleanor after six years of dating.
1: Took a long time back then.
0: Patience in all things. Yeah. He took nine years to finish law school.
1: He just really was in no rush.
0: (laughs) He was never a very great student. Uh, the first few years were him, like, getting his grades up to actually be eligible for the law school part of law school. Ah. But, yeah, uh, he never practiced law. He just worked in government. But he had that law degree. He could have if case. he wanted to.
1: Just in case. You never know.
0: The the, the Daily's first date? Socks game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they went on to have seven children.
1: That's a lot of children. Guess what? One of them was named Richard.
0: Yeah, their first son. Yeah. He'll come back later. Okay. In 1938, Bridgeport State Senator Patrick Carroll dies. Daly took that seat. Nice. For his loyalty and and, and his uh, representation of city interests, Daly's given the unelected position of Cook County Deputy Comptroller. Basically, that's the treasurer without the title. Or having to worry about elections.
1: Mm-hmm. Isn't that now an elected position? Because I remember seeing commercials last election for Comptroller when they're like, what's a Comptroller? Let me tell you. You should vote.
0: Comptroller is elected. I'm fairly sure Deputy Comptroller still is not. Okay. Maybe it is. Uh, it certainly wasn't in the 30s. Okay.
1: I remember I voted on it. I researched, but I don't remember <laughs> like if there was one that you don't vote on uh in
0: 1946 he was slated to run for cook county sheriff his mother was very disappointed daly's mother was an interesting person she was a proud suffragette she marched she uh, uh rallied and demonstrated but by 1946 she, w- she was ill and one of the the last things she said was that she didn't raise her son to be no policeman
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh he did lose uh I, I suppose she was happy about that, although by, I believe she had passed away by election day.
1: Well, she was celebrating in her grave.
0: <laughs> uh, and people joke that the other guy forgot to die for once. Because he, he was always replacing... Oh, because
1: he was always replacing, was so always replacing dead
0: men. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: That makes sense.
0: Now, being a sheriff in that era, four year term, you can make a million easy without even trying, with all the uh, kickbacks, illegal gambling halls, makes sense. Uh, payoffs. Yeah, but uh, it would also end your career. Daly might have been lucky to lose. Oh yeah. Th- this was a time when people in statewide and national uh, uh, office were using uh, uh, busting corrupt politicians on the local level as a springboard to that uh, uh, notoriety. Yeah. So you- you'd be. Able to retire, but also forced to retire. Uh, in 1947, he finally took over the 11th Ward as a ward committeeman. And uh, A. Daly has held that position until this day for the last 70 years. My God. In 1948, he became a major supporter of Adley Stevenson's campaign for governor. And when he was elected, made him director of state revenue as a reward. Daly's always got his hands in the cash.
1: Yeah. Is that the Stevenson that the Stevenson Expressway is named after?
0: Probably. We've also talked about Adlai Stevenson in an earlier episode. I was going to say, it
1: sounded familiar.
0: Daly would later help engineer Stevenson's nominations for president, which is when we talked about him in the Uh,
1: presidential
0: uh, TV ad episode, for 52 and 56.
1: Remember that now.
0: He lost to Eisenhower twice. Yo. Daly then served two full terms as Cook County Clerk, replacing a clerk that had died.
1: Well, you know, if you have to work in the Cook County Clerk building, you're gonna want to die.
0: Now he did <laughs> streamline the marriage license process.
1: Well, no one's happy in that building, so apparently he I don't know if it's that good.
0: <laughs> it does make me wonder how awful it was before him.
1: That was the worst thing ever. <laughs> We were like, oh, we can go get the dog registered at the Cook County Clerk. I'm like, no, I'm doing it online. (laughs) I will wait the whatever many days for it to come. I am not going into the Cook County Clerk. It's a sad Uh, place to be.
0: So in 1953, uh, there were a lot of shakeups. Reform was the issue of the day. Uh, All of these uh, scandals and corruption busts. Uh, the machine was afraid that people weren't going to, to take it anymore and there'd be some sort of voters revolt. So they started fielding reform candidates of their own who would say the word a lot as long as they didn't do it too much. Yeah. Yeah. This is when the, the organization elected Daley as chairman of the Cook County Democratic Committee. Uh, He was then in charge of slating every candidate for office, in charge of the party machinery, in charge of the 40,000 or so uh, patronage jobs that could be uh, exchanged, basically in charge of the city. Mm -hmm. Now, we we didn't mention it earlier because it was a little above the pay grade of a uh, precinct captain. Yeah. But there are a lot of jobs to be exchanged for. You know, if you could deliver your vote and your family's vote, you get a Christmas tree. You get your pothole taken care of. If you deliver, say, all your employees' votes, you get some city contracts. If you deliver your apartment buildings' votes, you get a city job and a pension. (laughs) Mm. There you go. So the machine had been in a slow decline with these reform-friendly candidates, uh, especially when some of them started trying to follow through when they were actually elected. Oh... Like, say, Mayor Martin Kennelly, who stood for reelection in 1955 and had appointed an anti patronage reformer to the head of the Civil Service Commission, which, uh, if he had his way, would cut that patronage system off at the legs. And so, what's the machine even going to do anymore? Yeah. Uh, Kenley gave a short speech in front of the nominating committee, which is made of uh, a dozen ward committeemen, and daily. Who was not one of them. He was just there to watch the meeting. None of the committee members got up to greet him. None asked questions when he was done and, and, and wondered if they had any. Yeah. Uh, after they all filed out of this very awkward, uh, and sort of embarrassing meeting, Kenley asked Daly what he was doing there and if he'd be running for mayor. And Daly replied, that's up to the committee. So, yeah, anyway. he was running. <laughs> yeah. After a multi-candidate primary, there, there were three people running for uh, uh, the Democratic nomination. Daly won by 100,000 votes over Kenley. Uh-huh. 97,000 came from 11 out of the 50 wards. Oof. That didn't even count the 11th ward, you know, his yeah. home. Kenley was also a Bridgeport guy. So, you know, it, it wasn't as clear cut, but, yeah. like, come on. Come on. He went on to win an easy election in the general of those wards that really came through for him. Uh, more than half of them were in the black belt, the, the south and west sides. Daly would not have been mayor without the black neighborhoods, mm-hmm. which ran sort of a sub machine, And uh, he made some promises to uh, their leaders like, when I'm in, you're going to be in. Give me your votes. And so yeah. that's how he, he, he won his first term. Like I said, Kennelly was a Bridgeport guy that's made Daly the third straight Bridgeport mayor, the third educated at De La Salle Institute for high school.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When I said it was the way to go, is the way to go. Yeah. Now, up to this point, it was cu- customary for the mayor and the chairman to be separate people. Mm-hmm. Daly never resigned oh he consolidated all that power he held both seats he wore both hats it was all daily both both the official arm of city government and the uh, democratic committee machinery oh boy so uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about what he did with all that power
1: okay <laughs> everybody hello so tell me about what happens
0: what ha- what happens
1: yeah Well, what
0: happens oh, is no. richard j daly becomes an an asshole. the The mayor of chicago
1: oh does he become an <laughs> asshole too
0: i feel like he his personality never changed in life oh, okay so if he was then he already had been okay his legislative agenda let's say as mayor, his policies focus on the cultivation and use of power. Things like transferring the, the initiation of the city budget from the city council to his comptroller and budget director's offices. Mm-hmm. Like th- there were some wards that elected anti machine people, but appointed seats, they couldn't possibly be. <laughs> yeah. And if they suddenly were, he would appoint someone else. The issuance of city contracts was shifted to the city's purchasing agent, again, someone who he would hand pick. Uh State power in Chicago was reduced by lobbying for and gaining home rule status, which allows the city to impose uh, any sort of taxes but income taxes without state legislative approval.
1: Oh, they've <laughs> had a lot of fun with that mm-hmm. over the years.
0: He also had a real focus on large building projects, big pride, big revitalization, big opportunities for graft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Making sure that uh, contracts went to good friends who uh, knew who their friends were. Ah. Things like the Jardine water purification plant, that's the giant plant just off Navy Pier. It has the highest capacity in the world.
1: I did not know that,
0: yeah, McCormick Place, the biggest uh meeting center in north america
1: it's, it's gigantic,
0: mm-hmm uh the Hancock Tower, which was the second biggest building in America when it was built, the Sears Tower, the biggest building in the world when it was built uh major expansions of O'Hare Airport to become the busiest uh airport in the world for fifteen, A while. twenty years it held that. Uh, the policy was to dump as much investment and development into downtown as possible, keep the city thriving, growing, and working as the rest of the Rust Belt declined. Mm-hmm. So Detroit, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Chicago's not going to go that way. Uh, he also developed high-rise public housing, things like the Stateway Gardens, the Cabrini Green Extension, the Robert Taylor Homes, etc., the, the huge State Street Corridor. Yep. These projects concentrated poverty and reinforced uh segregation, which uh had been the way of Chicago since Daly's childhood. He grew up alongside Chicago's segregation. Uh, Many residents were displaced by Daley's urban renewal projects and expressway construction Mm -hmm. and put in these public housing high-rises. Yep. So that led directly to the Chicago Freedom Movement when Martin Luther King Jr. came to Chicago. The Chicago Freedom Movement was a campaign to end the Chicago slums, end the segregation of schools caused by the segregation of neighborhoods, and shed light on the civil rights abuses outside the South.
1: These are still things we're working on, aren't they?
0: Yeah. Yeah! Yeah.
1: Chicago's got a big problem still with that.
0: Uh, Civil rights organizers set up tenants' unions, uh, gave workshops on nonviolent direct action to local people. They staged protests at real estate offices and marches into all white neighborhoods. Those did not go well.
1: I can imagine.
0: Attack dogs, bricks thrown, counter protests at 10, 20, uh, 30 times the size of the march. Yeah. It's really just uh, the, the 1919 race riots all over again. Yes. Uh, so, Dr. King held a rally in Soldier Field on uh, uh, in July of 1966 featuring Mahalia Jackson, Stevie Wonder, Peter, Paul, and Mary came by. Hey. Uh, two years before two-thirds of them would come back for 1968. Ugh. A few months before this rally, he moved into a North Lawndale slum apartment to raise awareness of the conditions there. hmm uh, after several marches erupted into violence, Daly called a summit meeting uh, with himself, the governor, CFM leaders, uh, all sorts of interested parties w- would come to this summit and they'd hammer out an agreement and they'd get this fixed. So the agreement they reached created the Leadership Council for Metropolitan Open Communities, which in turn created Project Good Neighbor, and uh, all the agreements they reached and and... and things they discussed weren't legally binding okay and they went essentially ignored a-, a lot of so it
1: was just like a media ploy of look what we did basically but we're not going to do anything with it
0: they created a commission to come up with solutions and then did not implement the solutions nice king was dissuaded by by this uh it it looked like sort of a, a draw at the time but as the years went on was clearly a loss he shifted his focus to uh the anti-war campaign and uh anti-poverty in general mm-hmm. uh and chicago remained deeply segregated
1: yep to to this day mhm is-
0: now after this episode every 4 years he's got to get reelected right mm-hmm. after this His largest vote tallies relied on white neighborhoods.
1: Well, yeah, that makes (laughs) sense.
0: Uh, He still won uh, the Black Wards, but not by the overwhelming reliable totals that he had in his early terms. Yeah. All this time uh, running parallel, he rose to national prominence. Now, he... uh, Already had a bit of a reputation from the Adley Stevenson campaign for being a guy who could get someone the nomination. Yeah. With his delegates, the Illinois delegation was Daly's delegation. He did it again in 60 for Kennedy, uh, to get the nomination. And famously, uh, his ability to get out votes won, uh, Kennedy Illinois', uh, uh, electoral votes in the general. He won Cook County by 450,000 votes. That's a lot. He won the state of Illinois by 9,000 votes.
1: Not not quite as many.
0: No, no. So uh, <laughs> if uh, the, these vote totals weren't as overwhelming in Chicago, uh, John F. Kennedy would not have won Illinois at all. Yeah. So uh, uh, these vote totals uh daily had them held back until late in the morning after election day which along with the sheer numbers drove suspicions of vote fraud ah no fraud was ever proven or demonstrated but you will still hear people talking about uh how how daily drove you know the get out the vote campaign so hard that uh uh the, the cemeteries were all making sure that uh, uh, they had uh, ballot boxes in them.
1: Well, you know, there are a lot of ghosts. The <laughs> spookums have a right to their voice as well. If they don't get a live rest in peace, they should be <laughs> able to be active in the community.
0: Now, some of, the, <laughs> some of these challenges did lead to uh, uh, recounts, but they moved the totals by a few hundred, not the thousands needed yeah. to make any sort of difference. Uh, and this only solidified Daly's reputation as a kingmaker someone who can get a Democrat into the White House uh Daly himself was probably the biggest believer and advocate in that reputation <laughs> I mean hey he got uh Kennedy to win the uh, nomination on the first ballot he got that huge vote if he didn't then Kennedy still would have won he would have had to have also lost Texas but hey I want to. Burst anybody's bubbles? <laughs> President Johnson, who followed uh, the assassination, of course, was also a believer in this reputation. They uh, spoke a lot. Uh, there are nine hours of recorded conversations with, uh, between Daley and Johnson in the White House.
1: That's a lot.
0: They, they seem to be uh, perhaps friends, but certainly political allies. They, they discussed... The events of the day. There are even recordings of Daly having a rather low opinion of Martin Luther King after the Chicago Freedom Movement and dissuading Johnson from having him involved in his civil rights legislation because, you know, he's a faker who's out for himself and he's going to turn on you.
1: <laughs> oh, Daly.
0: So, to, to hear more about Daly's national. Profile in the uh, uh, Johnson era. Go ahead and listen to episode 16, The Battle of Michigan Avenue. Yeah. That's the one I mentioned at the top of the episode. Yeah. It's about the 1968 convention and uh, a a guy called George McGovern having some pointed anti-daily remarks. Yeah. Yeah. So that comes back in 1972 when George McGovern is the nominee and has Daly's delegation replaced by a new Illinois delegation led by Jesse Jackson. <laughs> so let's snap back to 1968. Okay. Spring 1968. It's uh, a lovely
1: time. There were flowers blooming, lots of rain.
0: Yeah, lots of smoke, lots of fire, <laughs> lots of. F- <laughs> because in April. Yeah. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Yep. Riots broke out in over 100 cities. Chicago had one of the largest. Uh, Chicago's riot lasted two days, left 11 people dead. 48 were wounded by police gunfire and over 2,000 arrests. Now, the South Side was generally pretty safe. The South Side gangs kept order in their neighborhoods, uh, in part because they were informally under the table working with King during the Chicago Freedom Movement. Yeah. Uh and so they they were more organized and more indebted to this nonviolent stance. Yeah. The West Side was just full of pain and anger, and they burned down a lot of white-owned businesses. <laughs> there were 28 blocks of West Madison Avenue that just burned down. Yeah. Legend says that Daly issued a famous order to the police to shoot to kill arsonists and to shoot to maim or cripple looters uh, during the uh, riot. That is not true. Oh, he did say those words. That is a quote from his mouth. But it came from a press conference he held on the 15th, long after order was restored. Oh. After reading a Sun-Times story that hinted police may have overstepped their bounds regarding the use of force. Oh. Uh, the the Sun-Times was running a profile on the nine that died. Four of these deaths, uh, the journalists found, were almost certainly shot by a police hit squad who was just running wild And uh, uh, clearly overstepping their bounds. Yeah. uh, Using shells that were overstuffed with shot.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Because, you know, that's what you do when you're responsible.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And they wanted to run this story alongside the sort of, relatively speaking, puff piece of You know, so-and-so had this job and is survived by this family and he loved baseball sort of thing that actually ran. So there's this one little paragraph that sort of casted some doubt on police behavior uh, because editors squashed the other one that would explicitly talk about the things they found in their investigation. Yeah. So then Daly came out swinging to defend the police, as he always did. Would you like to read this quote?
1: I have conferred with the superintendent of police this morning, and I gave him the following instructions, which I thought were instructions on on the night of the 5th that were not carried out. I said to him very emphatically and very definitely that he should issue an order immediately and under his signature to shoot to kill any arsonists or anyone with a Molotov cocktail in his hand in Chicago because they're potentially murderers and to issue a police order to shoot, to maim, or cripple any arsonists and looters. Arsonists to kill and looters to maim and detain.
0: So yeah, that came out uh, a week or so after the riot, and he meant it as a blanket policy for the future. Ah, with the assumption that it was always what the the Chicago Police Department superintendent would certainly order, because it only makes sense. There was some blowback here. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Neighborhood advocates, community groups, civil rights leaders, religious leaders were all saying, uh, and anyone who uh, uh, believes in limiting police brutality. Mm-hmm uh it was like you cannot say that and you yeah, can't do that and that's
1: not a thing. the police do.
0: superintendent had some problems himself how do i follow this thing that the mayor is telling me to do and not write an order that's directly against federal law
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: so he did issue a standing order that uh all arsonists sh- in-, in a riot situation should be dealt with uh, uh, necessary force in regards to this other statute that's mentioned in it. But if you reference that statute, it is the hard guidelines for police use of police force.
1: Of course. So
0: like, it- it's very letter of the law, but really, though, don't shoot to kill. Don't ever. That's not what we're supposed to do. Yeah,
1: like don't, don't, don't do that.
0: So two days later in uh, this press uh, pressure and community pressure, he calls another press conference. Uh-huh. Would you like to read this block sure. quote?
1: There wasn't any shoot to kill order, he said. They said that I gave orders to shoot down children. I said to the superintendent, if a man has a Molotov cocktail in his hand and throws it into a building with children and women up above, he should be shot right there. And if I was there, I would shoot him. Everybody knows it was twisted around, and they say Daly gave orders to shoot children. That wasn't true.
0: I mean, kinda.
1: <laughs> it
0: was kinda true. Kinda. So so while we're talking about famous quotes, this is when his uh, press secretary, Earl Bush, gave his most notable quotable. They should have printed what he meant, not what he said.
1: <sighs>
0: Daly wasn't a speaker. He was a patient... Not particularly bright student who followed orders and, and made sure the system that worked worked. Mm-hmm. Uh he was not eloquent. He he always had an image of the way the city ought to be. And yeah. the way the city ought to be is you respect the police and you trust the police to do their jobs.
1: Yeah. That's what his idea is.
0: Yeah. So you don't say that there are police hit squads, you don't even hint it, and you you don't say that he's telling cops to shoot people in the street just because he thinks that active arsonists and looters are very, very dangerous and should be dealt with harshly. (laughs) But then it comes out with these words.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Like we talked about in that earlier episode when he said, uh, the police aren't there to create disorder, they're there to preserve disorder. Obviously, not what he meant, no, but he's not a he's not a great speaker he's no, just not
1: he's not he's really not so did, did he not have like he needed like a press person
0: poor poor earl bush
1: he needed he needed you know some some people there being like, mm, say this instead, just read the card, read the card, read <laughs> the statement we wrote.
0: As late as 1976, Daly was still defending his decision and words in party meetings. Oh my God. To people who were like, yeah, that Dude. was that was 10 years ago. Just chill.
1: Dude, we don't stop. Just stop.
0: So in, in 1975, Daly won his biggest vote total for his sixth term mm-hmm. with 76% of votes cast.
1: That's a lot. That's a lot.
0: Uh, On December 20th, 1976, early into this uh, uh, sixth term, at age 74, he suffered a heart attack and died. Over 100,000 mourners visited his casket at Our Lady of the Nativity. What? What? Including President-elect Carter, uh, even though he didn't deliver Illinois for once. Mayors from all across uh, the country... And uh, just about every notable person in Chicago. His grave marker is engraved with the peace prayer of St. Francis uh, on the south side. And without him, though, the machine could not survive. Yeah. He maintained his power by never delegating it. There was no successor. There was no protege.
1: Gotta pick who's gonna take over.
0: Uh, And new federal rulings prevented the distribution of patronage. The, the reformers finally got their way. Yeah. And uh, under Nixon for and then Ford, so eight, under eight years of Republican presidents, there was a Republican federal prosecutor in Cook County. Mm-hmm. So there was somebody actually paying attention and minding the store. Oh, good. Especially since Nixon kind of had it out for daily because he's a paranoid guy who held grudges. Yeah. So various factions formed. In his absence and tried to consolidate What power was left Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael Blandick was made Acting mayor on the agreement He wouldn't run in the special election He ran anyway and won the full (laughs) term
1: Tricky jerk.
0: Now, he he was an alderman. Uh, Darlin, could you guess which ward he was the from? 11th ward! Yes, he was. That's another Bridgeport boy. Four in a row. There we
1: go. Did he also go to De La Salle? Yes, he did. Of course he did. Is, is there, like, motto, like, we bring out mayors or something? Like, <laughs> come here, you'll be a mayor. Uh,
0: another uh, machine faction was led by Ed Verdoliak. After uh, Blandic's popularity tanked at the end of his one term... A uh, Verdoliak's faction elected Jane Byrne to the mayoralty.
1: Yes, she has an interchange right now.
0: She does. The, the that is
1: almost done. I don't think it's done yet.
0: <laughs> it's where all of the, uh,
1: all the extra- interstates yeah, meet. Yeah, it, it is insane to look at. <laughs> I was like, woof, 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 all these flyovers and stuff going on.
0: That's kind of a good... Image of the Jane Byrne mayoralty. She and Verdoliak had a a separation of ways in the middle of her term. There were plenty of people expecting Richard M. Daly, the the eldest son who we mentioned, to come take over the family store. And he did inherit the the position of ward committeeman for the 11th. Uh Uh-huh. But he stayed, other than uh, that... Part He stayed out of city affairs until 1989. He he spent his time uh, in the state legislature. So uh, this infighting, backstabbing, and people trying to pick up the scraps of of the reins is uh, part of what led directly to uh, Harold Washington becoming elected mayor, who might get a, a future episode of his own.
1: There's a library.
0: There is a library. Put a pin in that one. I like Harold Washington. He's great.
1: I like that library. It's good. <laughs> it's like really pretty.
0: So today, what is Mayor Daley's legacy? Uh, parts of the machine still continue. There are powerful people who get who who uh, exchange favors and support candidates in exchange for city work. Yep, and and city uh, uh, and county resources. Uh, Rahm Emanuel's poor showing in his 2015 reelection was taken by many as a warning. Stop playing ball with national companies who you made friends with in the White House and keep it local. Do your job.
1: Yeah, he still got elected.
0: If he, uh, wasn't angering these, uh, factions, the, the, the thought is he would have won outright instead of having to go to the runoff with Chewie. <sighs> that was the warning. His eldest son, Richard M. Daley, did come back uh, to run for mayor yep. in 1989, served until 2011. That's
1: why a lot of people are really confused about how <laughs> Daly was mayor for so long. Yeah, he did. How was he not dead? <laughs> it's a different one. It's a different one.
0: Uh, he slightly exceeded his father's tenure and uh, retired, many people believe, uh, after uh, uh, losing the Olympic bid to Rio. Yeah. He's like, well,
1: that was if I'm not going to be the
0: Olympic mayor, I'm going to get out and enjoy a retirement my dad never could.
1: Yeah, that was definitely, like, the last push of mm-hmm. his, his his career that failed very badly.
0: <laughs> well, there were, there's like 50 cities that apply. He got into the top three. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's not I that bad.
1: personally think that, Chicago is, like, the worst place to ever pick for ci- that because the city is so dense already.
0: The city didn't really want it, and yeah, it would the be people didn't want a want logistic it. Yeah. pain.
1: It was not supported enough where mm-hmm. they were like, oh, yeah, we'll come there. Because oh, we're all like, no, this is not a good idea. <laughs> You're just going to tear down a lot of people's houses
0: yeah. for stuff yeah.
1: that we're not going to
0: use. Well, like father, like son. Yeah. The, the middle son, John, is the current ward committeeman for the 11th ward. Of
1: course he is! Did they all go to De La Salle?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richard M., uh, like I say, inherited it on his father's death and uh, ran the ward until 1980. John, from 1980 to present. There's the 70 years. My gosh. Uh, the youngest child, Bill, spent a year as Obama's chief of staff after Rahm. Mm -hmm. And three years as uh, Bill Clinton's Secretary of Commerce. Uh. In between, he chaired uh, the Al Gore presidential campaign in 2000 uh, and was played by Mitch Pelegi in the HBO film Recount. (laughs) Nice. We love Mitch Pelegi. So, like I was saying earlier, from the 50s to 70s, as other Midwest Rust Belt cities were collapsing, Chicago remained a world-class city and continually building. Uh, the, the only question is, built on what? The city that works, but works for whom?
1: Uh-huh.
0: The city's funds.
1: Kick stuff back at, yeah.
0: The city's funds were open to anybody who would kick back. Yeah. But its treasures were never for sale. Things like the lakefront protection ordinance. Yeah. Didn't need to be a written law until the 80s. Yeah. He just saved it himself. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) So, darling, what have you learned?
1: The 11th Ward needs some variety in their life. My God. Yeah. Yeah. That's nuts.
0: Well, not everybody went to De La Salle. That was like the poor kids' college. It was the poor kids that worked. Dang it!
1: Ah, uh, I guess I'm just very focused on the whole alderman thing that yeah. like, that continues on for like so long
0: and mm-hmm. still. Um. The, oh, you, you mean the the daily family as yeah. ward, as ward committeemen?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like that's nuts. I learned a lot about that daily
0: <laughs> and
1: uh, his up and coming career. Career building life
0: mm-hmm.
1: didn't did not know uh, I guess so much about the machine, yeah, and, uh,
0: and his the- involvement
1: and his willingness to follow it type thing, yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's interesting because you know people look at somebody with that much you know power for that long and that much influence and think, oh wow, he must have been a uh, really backstabbing... Yeah. ...like, uh, uh, aggressive power seeker. Yeah, but... When, like, he, he wasn't a, a backbencher, like, oh, no, you go ahead, but he... He
1: knew how to play the system.
0: He kept his nose down and waited for people to die and screw up.
1: <laughs> yeah, and people would then be like, oh, yes, you. Yeah. Perfect.
0: The loyal one, the one who gets it done right.
1: Yep. Um... Yeah, so it's kind of the op. it is the opposite of what you would automatically assume.
0: hmm Like, oh
1: wait, he wasn't just, like, stabbing people in alleys to get these positions? Though, you know, how many people died, you gotta <laughs> wonder if he was, like, po- slowly poisoning them in, like, their coffee or something. Maybe, And, uh, just, you know, like, the thing where, like, just a little bit of arsenic over a mm-hmm. long period of time, you're good. Yeah. That's probably the true thing. Mm-hmm. There's a conspiracy there.
0: So yeah, uh just to to clear out all the confusion. Mid-century Daily is Richard J. Daily. Mhm. 90s and 2000s Daily is Richard M. Daily. Mhm. One built lots of things. The other is the one that bulldozed the the, the airport. airfield and privatized the parking meters.
1: Yeah, he kind of screwed up a lot. <laughs> Like, but he, the first one wasn't great. The second one, he definitely...
0: He, he cleaned up the city he very did. literally. Yeah. He was all about sanitation yes. and street sweeping. San-
1: he did some good things. The sanitation <laughs> being one of them. The... the uh, Some of the sneaky things he did in the cover of Darkness, however.
0: <laughs> and if you want to talk privatization, he's, he's got nothing on Rom. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> That's very, very true. But seriously, parking meters, daily. You got really? City of Chicago is the worst place to park, I think, ever anywhere. Because you know what? They take all the money, and we don't get any of it back. Why would you do that? So, go, daily. Go question your son. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, with that, we're going to take a quick break, listen to a song, and uh, we're going to be right back with some mail and such.
1: Mail. Four. From Bridgeport to Beverly, from Midway to South Shore, we're the South Side Irish. Let's sing it out once more. Sing the songs out. Okay, and we are back.
0: Hi, everybody.
1: And we have quite a few letters. We got a lot more letters to your prompt than I thought we would. Because
0: I was (laughs) like,
1: do people actually have favorite mayors?
0: Turns out we do. They
1: do. So Leanne sent us an email uh, first answering an old prompt of favorite episodes so far, being our Disney-related ones, Mm -hmm. but the comic book code also comes in pretty close. As for favorite mayor, which is the prompt this week, uh, it's got to be their hometown mayor, Mayor Nahid Nanshi?
0: From Calgary.
1: Yeah, they're they're from Calgary. Uh, They are the uh, first Muslim mayor of a decently sized North American city, uh, first Calgary mayor to be the Grand Marshal of the Calgary Pride Parade, and also, uh, is a big nerd and participated in the Calgary Comic Expo and cosplays there and stuff. Sounds pretty
0: cool. What a dork. Thanks, Leanne. <laughs> Claritic writes in again. Uh her favorite mayor is Sidiq Khan, the current mayor of London, who's been in the international news lately, uh, unfortunately, but doing a pretty good job with it. <laughs> she also wonders where like the big giant mayor sash comes from. Like, why is that a thing? If we want to depict someone as a mayor, they have to wear a big floofy button and a sash. I, I don't know. I'm curious. If you find out, let us know, because that's cool. But her favorite History Honeys episodes from our first year uh, include the, the the TV ads and presidential campaigns, which got mentioned tonight. Battle of Michigan Avenue, which this is sort of an interquel, prequel, post. It's, it's all of them. It's related. Yeah. Uh, and an honorable mention to good old Johnny J.
1: What about his horse?
0: And uh, she also gives us an episode suggestion, and from this description, I've got to know more about this, and maybe that means I'll, I'll cover it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much, Claritik. Final Gamers' favorite mayor happens to be a fictional one, Mike Hagar from the Final Fight video game series, a former pro wrestler who went into politics to clean up Metro City. But... When a criminal gang kidnaps his daughter, he teams up with his daughter's boyfriend to annihilate every criminal off the streets. Final Gamer also wants to talk about the old prompt of favorite couples and tells us about Emperor Ai of the Chinese Han Dynasty and Dong Zhan, a commander of the armed forces around the 4th century BCE. Both of them were men married to different women, but they fell in love with each other and slept in the same bed. In later years, uh, the Chinese use a, a term "duanju uh, pi which translates to Passion of the Cut Sleeve, to talk about homosexuality. Uh, one story of these two is that when Emperor Ai woke up one morning, he didn't want to pull his sleeve away from Zhang, who was still sleeping, so he cut his sleeve off to let him sleep peacefully as he started his daily duties. Aww.
1: Thank you, Final Gamer. Uh, Alex sent us an email that the boring answer to favorite mayor would be their hometown mayor, Jacob Day, because he's a pretty cool young dude and has managed to turn a otherwise unknown city that they are from into a fairly happening place. But they actually want to go with Brian Zimmerman, an 11-year-old mayor of Crab, Texas. It was an unincorporated community in Texas and Brian ran on the platform of getting them incorporated, which would have lost him the position of mayor as he was technically not old enough under Texas law. <laughs> um, he did fail to get them incorporated, but he did win reelection and paved one road during his time. Sadly died at a very young age. Of 24.
0: It sounds like Crab is the kind of place no. that only has one road to pave.
1: Probably. Probably. So
0: that's pretty effective. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Peter goes back to our favorite painting prompt to instead talk about a sculpture. It's a, a crucifix in a local cathedral made by a local artist using local materials. It's tree park, sheep bones. It's terrifying. It, it's interesting.
1: <laughs> it's slightly terrifying. It's
0: creepy. It's creepy. Thanks, Peter.
1: Samuel sent us an email answering the current prompt of mayor. When you think mayor in Toronto, people automatically go to Rob Ford, who Samuel does agree is definitely the worst. But Toronto apparently had another terrible mayor named Mel Lassman.
0: I'm sure they've had more than two. Probably.
1: Probably, but it's one of them. (laughs) So as mayor of North York, a suburb of Toronto in the early 70s to 90s, and the mayor of Toronto from 1998 to 2003, and was known as Mega City Mel, or the Bad Boy. And apparently had a chain of furniture stores called Bad Boy Furniture, where he sold really cheap, terrible furniture, and was known for the TV commercials that he did, where he would dress like George Clooney in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and scream, Who's better than Bad Boy? Nobody! Got into some trouble in the 90s for featuring a Bill Clinton impersonator in a commercial for the furniture stores and received a cease and desist letter from the White House, but didn't, and instead made more commercials. Also publicly threatened to murder a reporter who wrote about the mayor's wife who was caught shoplifting and was also a huge racist. So, yeah, it sounds pretty bad. sounds pretty bad. Yeah Thank you Samuel
0: It's like Rob Ford Without the drug use
1: Yeah Pretty much Maybe he was like His uh Person he looked up to His mentor His mentor
0: David writes in Uh First time in a while With plenty of prompts To catch up on So Favorite movie Uh, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, was shown in some specific theaters in Dragorama, which is when a a mirror ball and colored disco lights would be activated in the middle of the drag routines. Nice. That sounds fun. Uh, favorite episodes of our fine show, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre yeah. and the Copper Country Strike. Yeah. Those were consecutive, a, a one-two punch yeah, of, of we, good stuff. Yeah, I guess stuff. we were on
1: stuff really well then.
0: <laughs> uh, and for our latest prompt, to favorite mayor, uh, Duke, the three-time mayor of Comerant, Minnesota. Duke is a dog.
1: Yeah, I bet he was a good mayor.
0: Probably not racist.
1: (laughs) Probably not.
0: So thanks, David.
1: Uh, Jeff sent us an email. Uh, Their favorite episodes probably would be Epcot. Really like seeing anything that has to do with a utopian eye vision, even if it doesn't come to be. Their favorite mayor, they also could have picked uh, several of the dog mayors in America. (laughs) But they went with Bill Johnson of their birth city of Rochester, New York. Uh, he was a good guy who seemed to honestly care for the city uh, when it was on quite a decline and just tried to do a pretty good job. Uh, and he also sends pictures of Phineas wearing Aww. bow ties. Very cute. I-,
0: I should also thank David for uh, w- for pictures of his brother's dog wearing mm. a cone. Somebody, somebody got all coned up.
1: Aww. And last but not least...
0: And we've got James writing uh, the last email we're going to read today. James's favorite mayors are both fictional. Mayor Quimby, of course, of, of Springfield, USA. And Mayor Dana from Welcome to Night Vale. Do you know who voices Mayor Dana? No. Jessica Nicole from Fringe.
1: What?
0: Yeah. What? Speaking of fictional mayors, uh, James just wanted to honor the recently deceased Adam West, who played Mayor Adam West in Family Guy, but also Mayor Marion Grange in The Batman, a uh, mid-to-late 2000s Batman cartoon. I wonder how he got that part.
1: I wonder. Huh. Yeah. Huh. I wonder.
0: But thank you, James. So uh, that's our mailbox. Yes. If you would like to send us an email to be read on the show, whether it's a a prompt response or a question or a show suggestion or or, or any other sort of story you'd like to tell, where can those emails go?
1: Historyhoneyspodcast at
0: gmail.com. That's correct. And do we have a prompt for the folks at home?
1: Well, not about the episode because I don't know what it's going to be yet. But, you know, it's, like, summer. This episode's going to be coming out on July 4th. hmm But maybe something like local summer celebration. Like, there's lots of weird, like, local festivals. Yeah. Like, where I grew up, there not too far away, there was, like, the Baloney Festival. Mm-hmm. There were, like, weird summer traditions or even 4th of July traditions if you're in America. Like,
0: cheeseburger fest. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, tell me, let let's hear about some local, like... Summer oddity stuff.
0: Sure, sure. I don't know. Looking forward to that. Could be cool. And again, that's historyhoneyspodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And you can also reach out to us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh And those are all at History Honeys. Yep.
1: We made it nice and easy.
0: We love to chat with you. We love to share some uh, uh, visual uh, uh, supplements on on Instagram. Yep.
1: Yep. There's going to be some pictures going up in just a little bit of... Of Moki enjoying our recording session <laughs> from my lap. You can also uh, give us a rating or review.
0: That would be so helpful. Filling out those stars on iTunes, on Stitcher, on the uh, uh, podcaster of, of your choice.
1: They help people find us.
0: Mm-hmm. So you can also tell a friend, be <gasps> direct about it. What? Uh, yeah, we, we love hearing people write into us and say, oh, my cousin shared with me this. Oh, I've got a coworker who knows I'm interested in this thing, and you talked about it so wonderfully. Ah, warms my heart. Yeah. And so that's a proven way to help us grow the show, and we do appreciate it so much. Yes.
1: So you can definitely do that.
0: In, in case you didn't check it out last time, please uh, listen to... The recent Alka Hollywood episode on Tekon Concrete. Yes. That features the two of us.
1: Yes, there's also a recent Sex Archie That's episode. Right. Uh while well, we are on the season hiatus, we are still producing some material and we had a new one come out as well.
0: It's the first of our memory lane series oh, of off season episodes.
1: Oh, and there's memories.
0: We talk that about I wish
1: I didn't have now.
0: We talk about the nineteen ninety TV movie. <laughs> to riverdale and back again or return to riverdale as as it was retitled on the vhs release
1: so you can get more of us (laughs) it's a trip yes yes it is
0: so with that i'm grant and i'm elena and history's better with with your your honey. honey